Talk with Ricky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another amazing episode of HR Talk. I'm JC, ushering you back into another fantastic and amazing week in your world. On the HR Talk Podcast. <laughs> hey, jokes aside, HR Talk, we're here for you every week, sometimes three times a week, most time three times a week. We had an amazing last couple weeks, and there's a lot going on. I do have a uh, very special guest to introduce coming up momentarily, but before we do, I'd like to take this opportunity just to once again say thank you to our Brevard uh, County, our, our Space Coast uh, Sherm par- business partners that are out there having me down there to see that conference once again i've been pretty vacant on social media over the past week or so it's good to step away every now and then we'll be talking about that coming up momentarily with the very prestigious the the man the myth the legend our expert on the program today the guy who really enjoys being talked up because he is like the the icon of all things that are are special when it comes to HR podcast recordings, uh, let me be honest and clear here. When we got ready for the show today, the things that he had to do, the hoops he had to jump through to get ready. I mean, we're talking reviewing labor law. We're talking uh, getting clips in order, doing proper deep research, as well as randomly clapping in the air to check his microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ricky Bias. And I don't know if he was messing with me or not, but the people need to know what you had me do. I was having some issues with my mic, and JC is like, hey, just clap to the left. Okay, I'm clapping to the left. Clap to the right, and then clap it to the right. And I get it. He's checking to see if if if, if sounds that are off the, the direction of the mic he can hear. And then I changed the, the setting, and he's like, talk really loud. So then he has me clapping around the mic, talking really loud, looking like an idiot. And I'm like, I'm looking at the Zoom. I'm like, he better not be recording. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> hey, could, uh, could you demonstrate real quick what it is you I, had to do? I will not. Okay. <laughs> I will not do that. I will not Fair do enough. that. Fair I am excited. Ask me why. Ask me why I'm excited. Why are you excited, Ricky Baez? Today is May 2nd. Tomorrow is the 3rd. And this is a really special day in Central Florida because for the first time ever, in Florida, the first White Castle is going to open in Orlando. Get I'm, out of here. Yes, bro. I am excited. I'm excited. I've never been this Big excited. Big kudos going out to White Castle for opening up in the Central Florida area. How close are you going to be to that White Castle? A good 15 minutes. Get out of here. So it's <laughs> probably like only a mile away from your house, but that's the traffic. Pretty much, <laughs> Pretty yeah. much but I Perfect, yeah. Dude, I'm excited. It's happening tomorrow. Um, so I'm obviously not gonna go there tomorrow. I'm gonna wait till the hoopla goes down. Do me a favor. Do me yeah. a favor. Take off of work. Take off of work tomorrow and just go get in line first thing in the morning. Tell tell your client base, hey, I'll be we need to reschedule till the afternoon. <laughs> I've got something I have to do, you know. I should do that. I really should do that. No, but there was there was this uh special opening uh, for friends and you know friends and family event last week, and there was a lot of people on TikTok just you know uploading videos, and it looks really cool. And I I heard about it in the news last year that it was going to open, but I just it just slipped my mind. Next thing you know, boom, it's happening tomorrow. So yeah, man, either tomorrow, sometime this week, I'm gonna swing by, and um, you'll see some videos of me eating some 
authentic White Castles, other than whatever I buy at Walmart. Yeah, that doesn't sound too racist. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we do have urgent breaking news. Coming in through the news desk this morning on HR Talk, we are only 4 minutes, 20 seconds, 4.20 into the program, but this one will definitely have you more tweaked than you normally are. Ricky Byers, if you could please pull up that first clip, we do have some breaking and emergent news. I got it right here. Well, just Ooh. play the clip then. I set it up very good. Go ahead. There, there is a clip? There is a no clip. Yeah, the TikTok guy, bud. The TikTok guy? Oh, my God. What TikTok? We rehearse all this stuff. The the no, we did not. Oh my god! I've got I've got so the Jibbity P. Jibbity P. I sent you the link today at eight thirty eight a.m. Jibbity P. There's a solar storm that's approaching the the Earth right now, and Jibbity P. Breaks it down on TikTok for us with some of that urgent breaking news. Now, long story short, there's a solar wind traveling. At 1,118,468 miles per hour, and it will hit the Earth today. There's a solar storm that's traveling more than 1 billion miles an hour that's on a collision course with Earth. It's due to hit us on May 2nd. It's a G1-class geomagnetic storm. Now, the sun spews these out about every 25 years, but it's been since 1989 that the last time one hit Earth like this. This storm may have enough power to affect the Earth's satellite technology. And the one in 1989 actually affected the power grid in Quebec, Canada, and it actually caused power outages. So if there's any weekend for you to have good vibrations, this is the one. Keep your resonance high. Keep those vibrations up, and you too will survive this solar storm. But if you feel a little funny or feel a little bit weird, that may be the reason why. So let's uh, keep it real, you guys. Hey, big kudos going out to Jibbity P on TikTok right there. Just like he said, it's traveling at 1 billion miles an hour. In actuality, it's 1 million, but that's fine. So this solar storm that's traveling 16 trillion miles an hour is coming towards the Earth right now, right? Now, when you wonder why does this matter on an HR Talk podcast, why would we talk about this from the business perspective, right? When we're thinking about a minor G1-class geomagnetic storm, it's it's possible that much of uh, what's going on with the Earth Earth's magnetic field may negatively impact some basic communications. G1 storms... Uh, there's weak power grid fluctuations that can occur. Minor impact on satellite operations is possible. And and other systems like migratory animals are affected at this uh, and higher levels. Auroras are commonly visible at, at high latitudes. But the G2 storm, like this one, is classified as a moderate. But they're putting the storm on the higher end of the spectrum, borderline G3. Here's the reasons why this is important when we think about our business models. The power systems that we use to help facilitate our day-to-day workflows, high-latitude power systems may experience voltage alarms. Long-duration storms may also cause transformer damages. Now, for spacecraft operations, which does impact quite a few people in our listening audience, especially around the Space Coast, corrective actions to orientation may be required by ground control, possible changes in drag effect, orbit predictions. 
So if you are using satellite communications, let that be for GPS, GPS tracking of your fleet or workforce, or you are within the broadcast industry and you even have to pay attention to what's going on with the, some of the solar storms, it's, it's key. It's high. It's, it's, it's very, very important, very bigly. And then other systems, HF radio propagation can fade at higher latitudes. And auroras have been seen as low as the New York and Idaho uh, states within the United States and typically 55 degrees geomagnetic uh, latitude. So this is where it crosses over. When we think about a G3 storm, voltage corrections may need to be required to power systems on Earth. And false alarms triggered on some protection devices will go off with a G3. So this storm is on the precipice of a G2, G3. They're not sure how it's going to impact things, depending on your disaster recovery models and what's taking place. This truly is nothing to worry about. It happens all the time. Just something to be aware of. Later on in the program, we're going to tell you a little bit more about how water is wet. Ricky, back to you. No, so uh, he says this is happening today, May 2nd. Right. It's getting here today. See, that pisses me off because... This is going to happen. Can it wait a week until after White Castle opens? <laughs> no, it can't. I mean, seriously, uh, dude. All right, fine. No, but look, um, so things like this, I'm not going to lie. Um, they go over my head, right? Um, and I, I, I'm really jealous of, of all these folks who, like this guy, whatever his name was, he looked like Jim Carrey, would have looked like in a different world, just younger but older at the same time. <laughs> That's exactly what he looked like. Um, no, so it, it's a... I, I'm jealous of people who can really understand these things and really understand what implications or what issues we may experience as a response to this. Oh, uh, brother, man, we, let me tell how you. How do we detect something like this to begin with? How Bat do we know that it's coming? Yeah, it's it's mainly uh, you lick your finger and hold it up in the air. <laughs> um, Noah, Noah, NOAA, they have a space weather uh, aspect of, of the services that they provide, and it was detected back on April 22nd. Uh, that this coronal mass ejection had exploded, uh, bringing things forward. And it was going to take about a week for things to uh, pan out and come out this way. Look, this used to be something from an operational perspective. I know HR hates operations, but when you're thinking, about <laughs> I love doing that to you, right in the middle of you sipping your coffee, too. Oh, no, I'm trying not to spit it all over my computer and my mic. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know, from the broadcast industry's perspective, staying up on solar storms and space weather is key. And yeah. as you start to head more into the realm of, of the modern workforce and you look at some of your satellite operations or the way that you rely on GPS or maybe even Starlink capabilities, kudos, Elon, love you, brother. You know, there's things that have to be considered at the end of the day. And if your business relies on space communications, on communications in general, if, if you are reliant on any form of communication past smoke signal, you it doesn't hurt uh, to kind of stay abreast of space weather and the way it can impact your daily operations, especially when you're considering your remote workforce. You just let your employees go to work from anywhere in the U.S. They still report back to Orlando, Florida. But at the same time, that guy that's on the mountaintop in Topeka, Kansas, and the mountains are very small. They're like rolling hills. So it's maybe an elevation of only 10 feet higher up than the rest of Topeka. But it's very good. And he's up on this very large hill. You, you, you know, there might be concerns with this guy. So uh, you just got to think about contingency plans. It's good to have the fiber backbone. But yeah, and I'm rambling at this point, Rick. It's very good when you think about your operational infrastructure. And this is where hiring the key people within your organization to make sure that you're taking care of um, disaster recovery modules and, and all that stuff is really, really key at the end of the day. 
hiring key people that has the right talent to actually bring that that kind of a skill set to your organization. Not only that, but training and development. So the first thing that came to my mind when when you when when you was talking about that is how how much we rely on GPS, especially our sales force. When a sales force has to go to somebody's house or a customer's house or a client's office, nobody nobody takes any kind of uh, you know what. 20 years ago, we just go on MapQuest, download it, print it, and then if you thought people right now looking at their cell phones was a distraction, imagine trying to find an exit looking at a MapQuest printout and trying to, to decide if that's an actual direction or some kind of commercial you was targeted for that actually printed dude, out dude, do, you, do you remember when the salesmen or the delivery drivers used to have the clip-on clipboards that used to suction cup to the window? And yes. they would literally have the MapQuest stuff printed out on there, as well as their inventory sheets and everything. They're going down 90, I-95. They're checking boxes and trying to read yep. the next. <laughs> as they're supposed to be driving, right? So <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think training and development comes into play in case something like this, the, the technology you, re, you rely on, in case that goes down, what's your contingency plan? And the contingency plan is going back to MapQuest. If not MapQuest, those old books that you buy at a bookstore that is all about maps, how to read those, how do those work? Or back to the military when you and I were in, what are the uh, coordinates? What's, what's the, how do you shoot an, shoot an azimuth? Not everybody knows what that is. <laughs> Trying to figure that out. Dude, if you're an AB5 covered worker in the gig economy delivering for Uber Eats and you reach that point where you have to use azimuth to get from point A to B, you're in, you're in a bad way. <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in you trouble. Got, you yeah. got bad things happening. You're in trouble. But then there's a lot of organizations that are making some great headways to have um, it's just autonomous vehicles out on the road who rely on this technology, who rely on satellite communications. Could you imagine a big 18-wheeler or even a Tesla for that matter, which, by the way, people are using uh, the automated uh, uh, cruise control thing and they're putting videos of themselves having to take a nap <laughs> or eating. If everything goes down, all those things crashes, man. I'll tell you what. Get to know your MapQuest. MapQuest, buy, go ahead and buy stock in that right now because that's going to surge. <laughs> I am not a stockbroker. Don't freaking listen. You to know, me. one thing that you're kind of talking about and touching on is something I really want to get to today, and it's it's knowing knowing your customer base, knowing yeah. who you serve. I mean, there's there's so many times when you may get asked to do something above and beyond what might be your normal day-to-day, right? And... uh you, you get funneled in this chute. Now, again, let's let's stay in the paradigm of human resources here. We're, we're yeah. not going to go too much further just yet. Uh-huh. But you, you get asked to maybe give a presentation on a benefit you're not familiar with. Or you maybe get asked to uh, work on completing some forms that you're not completely fully trained up on. Or maybe you need to read a little bit more or talk with the lawyers about so you further understand some of the policy implications within your organization. You're, you're serving, at the end of the day, the people that you're going to be interfacing with. You're serving, that you're providing, basically, an internal customer service yeah. to your workforce. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You are correct. That's what you're doing. You, are, you have, in order for you, for, now, I'm going to start from the HR world. In order for HR to fully provide that value to any business, they have to become an expert on what fascinates that business owner about the services they provide to their customers. So you have to understand the customer. You have to understand how they think, how they buy, how do they behave when it comes to their finances. Once you understand that, then you understand who you need to hire to make sure you deliver that CEO's promise to that customer. 
But that's how that's how HR needs to to act and be in order to provide that value to any business leader. Businesses would not exist without its customers. HR would not necessarily exist in the way that we know it now if it wasn't for its customers, the employees, the people that they're helping, the customer experience. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you're talking about it being defined by the interactions and exchanges uh, that your customer has with our business section, with the human resource section through the entire customer journey. Now, let's flip the script, though, too. This also applies to our external stakeholders, right? I mean, becoming happy and loyal at the end of the day, let it be an employee or someone that's um, seeking business or, or assistance from us is key. And, and you need to be a good partner through that process. And Rick, it's, it's actually not hard to do. It's really easy to do. It is. It is. As long as you change, you shift your mindset to align with what that CEO wants you to do for that organization. Can I? Can, can I give a quick example? Nike. They, people think they sell shoes. They sell apparel. And they don't. They sell experiences, to be honest. They're motivational. They're inspirational. So if you look at a, at a Nike ad, they don't say, oh, buy this shoe for you know, $129.99. They don't. They keep talk- Their ads has nothing to do with shoes and more to do with motivation. So if you as an HR business partner or an HR leader – that you work for Nike, you have to understand how that motivation affects the customers, how you motivate those customers, not just about selling shoes. So it, it, it's so you have to get knee deep into that vision of that CEO to really fully understand how you can be involved in a way that they see value in those services. Research by American Express found that 72% of customers surveyed within their, their research are willing to spend more money due to excellent customer service. In the same report, 65% of respondents shared that they've spent more with a business due to past positive customer service experiences. So ultimately, at the end of the day, what do you need to do? You need to know your customer. You need to understand their challenges. You need to understand what they want, what they're expecting from your relationship and the connection that you have. Let it be in the seat that you're in or the CEO seat or any seat in between, understanding that from a high level. So last week, last week, I had a meeting with a client that, well, a prospective client. He gave me a call. I went over there. He owns an uh, auto mechanic shop, right? And I spent a couple of hours with him. We had lunch. And then he was, he was concerned uh, because he has two or three auto body shops. And it's it just, it just he focuses so much on the tools, that he needs so his employees can do the job right. Now, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because, um, uh, yes, go ahead and buy the tools. But if, you're, if your associates have the tools that they need, leave that alone. And he couldn't understand why what do you his mean? Uh, numbers kept dropping. What do you mean? Leave but, it alone. No, leave it alone. Meaning because if your employees can do the job with the tools that they have and they're doing a good job with it and fixing the transmission, changing the cams, whatever the case may be, then customers keep leaving. That's not the issue. Ah, yes. Then I walked into the customer waiting area. It was dirtier than the actual end in the that than the actual garage. No coffee, no nothing. And so I sat him down. And I'm like, look, dude. Yes, people bring their cars in here, but just listen to what I just said. People bring the cars in here. You do a great job of taking care of the car, but what are you doing to take care to take care of the customer? 
the car only comes in if the customer brings them in. So if you take care of the customer, they're going to keep coming back. But well, don't as, forget about as of right now, that's how it works. Well, it, I mean, in the what? near future, you might just press an app on your phone and your car goes to the garage on its own, you know. But, well, true. Well, I yeah. mean, if the solo instinct gets here, I don't think if that's going to happen. Of course, <laughs> not going to read Mac, MacQuest. Uh, <laughs> no, but then so that was an aha moment for him because he he was now he's a great businessman because they're, they're, it, it, that's the only reason why he's got three shops. Right. But somewhere along the line, he got so in, into the weeds about the tools that he needs. It's like getting a tool that does the job just right and getting that extra, that bigger, more advanced tool. But that's not helping your customer. You need to make sure you take care of your customer. Get them coffee. Get them cookies. Get You know what? Who can, Get a massage chair in there. Get a masseuse. If you're going to be in there for three hours while your engine bay gets gets uh, gets cleaned out, why don't you just get in there to take care of those customers? And that was an aha moment for him. So, yes, creating, that creating connections, building right. those connections between the people that you're helping and who you are as an organization, as an entity, as as a value set that people want to buy into. Being responsive at the end of the day. If someone brings something to the table, can you fix it right away? Can you reassure them that you're going to look into it? Can you go that extra mile, provide that gold ring of service? We talk about the gold ring. Do you remember the gold ring, the brass ring? Do you remember those rings, Rick? I do remember those rings. From where? Where do you remember those rings from? I got a small story for you. I remember the rings from when we were in the service. I remember uh, brass knuckles when I lived uh, when right, I was growing up in right. the Bronx. Check this and out. And when I got married, I got a ring. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, great series, bro. Great series. So uh, way, way, way back in the day, there used to be these things called carousels, right? Before the TV, before the radio, before all this stuff. They were mechanical round things that spun around with horses pumping up and down. And you'd sit on these horses and go for a ride. You'd go around the carousel. Okay. And back in the day, they used to be inside gazebos. And so okay. on the posts of those gazebos, there would be this little latch thing sticking out. And there'd be these rings that you could reach out and grab. You'd hook it with your finger. And when you would grab that ring, it would either be a, a steel ring, a brass ring, a silver ring, or a gold ring. And if you wound up getting a different colored ring, you won a prize. So then you would go, you know, get off the carousel, go collect your prize. It might be a, a piece of candy, a gum, a toy, whatever it may be. And then you go ahead, yeah, hop back on and try again. So when people talk about the gold ring of service, the the, the brass ring of service, depending, I mean, some, I mean, some carousels, it was only a brass ring, but it looked gold. But that's all that they could afford back in the day. And gold rings weren't really gold, et cetera. You know, it, it was all a game. It was just a game. And, and it was that high level of service, trying to be that exclusive thing that was everyone seeking to find. And you're, you're continuing to bring that to the table. Th- this is where that whole acronym comes from. We're rooted. We're deeply rooted as, as humans into an experience that goes back a very large span of time. When people provide you that feedback as an organization, as a person, as an entity, as someone in HR, as someone in customer service or support, and and, and wherever you are from the operational structure on down, CEO on down, how are you going to capture that feedback? How do you measure that feedback? How do you continue to improve your experience through this process and then cycle back through and kind of do the same thing again? Over and over and over and over. It's so critically important at the end of the day. The reason I'm bringing all this up is because the lessons that we can learn 
from our business partners in the HR world, meaning those that are in our own businesses, providing those layers and levels of customer support. Maybe it's the C-suite that needs to hear directly from us when we're thinking about enhancing and improving an organization. Changing that mindset from something internal to outward, right? And thinking about the bigger picture, how it encompasses everybody. There's a lot that goes into this experience. Ricky, on the on the heels of Space Ghost, before I continue, did, did you have anything else to add there? Because I'm, I'm shifting gears here to something really no, no, important. Go, go, go. You're yeah. good. You're good. So on the, on the heels of Space Coast, I, I did drop off the grid for a little bit intentionally. Um, I haven't done a thank you post or thank you video yet. I traveled a little bit. I spent a little bit of time relaxing and trying to find myself again, trying to root myself back into my day-to-day core business structure. I absorbed a lot of the information and discussions that I had with people on the floor of the conference room. I, I thought about how complicated it is for people to give presentations from thousands of miles away because they're under travel restrictions and they couldn't go anywhere. I thought about the implications of all of this in the bigger picture and how this plays part in our day-to-day and understanding the truth in all things and how that impacts us when we think about the bigger picture, right? So after Florida, I got on a plane and came back to New York. I got in a car and I drove to Cleveland, Ohio. Ah. A place that many of us long to go to, yet none of us realize we need to go to, nor do we ever think about a book or plan to go there. Great memory. Okay, let me tell you something about that. And thank you, Windows, for the chime. Let's see if that comes out of the recording. My virus scan uh, and protection has now been completed. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Cleveland. Out of the blue. Now, this I'm, I'm a big football fan. Family is a big football fan. We, we, we booked a little little getaway over in the Cleveland and drove over there real quick to kind of check things out. Couldn't really afford to do it during the draft week, but wanted to see some of the setup of things and, and get a vibe for the city and just have a, a good night away or two and, and check things out. Went to this amazing restaurant, Rick, called the Marble Room. I put a video on the Tiki Taki, sitting down, having a... One of the best meals I've had in a long time. I love seafood, okay? Like, when I see food, I eat it, right? So, I love seafood. <laughs> and um, they did this sesame-crusted tuna that was to die for. It was, hands down, one of the best uh, pieces of fish I ever had cooked in my life. The six-ounce filet was phenomenal. It was, it was very large. It was very good. I also had some of their salmon sushi, uh old school cocktail a fool's gold you know just enjoy the ambiance this restaurant was built in this old old bank and when you're sitting down inside you're like wow there's so much stone in here i wonder if is that granite no it's it's called the marble room for a reason idiot so it's all marble you know and it's it's unbelievable it's beautiful but the place here's here was the coup de gras the place that i stayed was the hyatt regency at the arcade in cleveland and I'm I'm yeah. explicitly mentioning this hotel for a very particular reason. It ties in with our customer service story here. Okay. This hotel historic. It's like a when when you're inside there's multiple levels of balconies. And when you look out it's like a big mall. It's almost like being on a cruise ship where you exit okay. your door and you look down and there's other rooms as far as your eye could see. And then as you go down the levels, there's shops, there's barber shops, there's places to, to buy food, there's bars, restaurants, there's everything all in one place. You never have to even go outside if you don't want to. 
by design. <laughs> Beautiful room, well accommodated. And here was the thing. When I booked it, my friend, the staff over at the Hyatt reached out to me in advance of even showing up just to reassure me that the reservation was good and uh, they had all the information It was set to go. And also some of the amenities and some of the restrictions that were in place due to the COVIDs, right? Okay. And that's plural because there's many COVIDs. That's fine. So, so understood all that, had a couple questions, called them. We had a great chat, yada, yada. High level of service, truly was. You get there, the uh, expectation was already laid. You knew what restaurants were open. You knew what was open or closed. Uh, they greeted you by name. You know, they they already had the room prepped and ready to go. Handwritten note inside the room. There were a couple things that were wrong. Things happened, right? Maybe a light bulb was out, which it was. Maybe there was a little something funky with, uh, you know, a a, uh, a faucet. Maybe it, it spun a little 360 when it didn't need to, you know? Who knows? Okay. They don't know these things. It's COVID. They're checking things out all the time. Anyways, beautiful visit. City Ricky is laid out unbelievable. Like, they, they hired someone in Cleveland. They had to have to, like, go through and redesign the city. You go for a walk in this city, and you reach a point where you're on this overlook, and it's a dog park that's, like, like three city blocks long. It's a huge park right in the middle of the city. A dog park? That's yeah. Three city blocks long? Yeah, no, I mean, okay. it's massive. But okay. then when you get to the end of it, you're actually up like four to five stories overlooking a a what used to be old part of the city heading down to the highway. And then you could see the bay and uh, some of the ports and things like that. They they did a fantastic job. And underneath this rise was the, the subway and everything underneath. They laid it out in an amazing way. Cleveland surprised me. It really did. Um, I highly recommend going there. But specifically about the higher agency after the after the visit they sent me a uh, a checklist like a survey okay hey give us your feedback on what you thought normally i don't do these sometimes i do sometimes i don't this time i did i was blown away by some of the service that was received the people that i met the teamwork the cohesion rick these people they've been through a lot in the service industry they really really have over the past year or two this okay. team came together, and they, and they worked seamlessly, and they were all actually happy. They were happy doing what they were doing. It wasn't like anyone was like, even if they were slightly disgruntled, they kept it under their sleeves. You know what I mean? They, okay. they didn't bring anything it. forward. Yeah. So I got an email back from the executive housekeeper. It said, and I quote, thanks for taking the executive housekeeper. Huh. Okay. All right. This is at the yeah. higher Regency Cleveland at the arcade. I'm going to leave his name off here. Uh, okay. But we'll just say the executive housekeeper states, thanks for taking the time to complete our satisfaction survey. I'm glad to see you enjoyed the customer service that you received and your time with us here at the Higher Regency Cleveland. I'm sorry to see one of you experience such of uh, such an access of features that did not work properly in your room. Really, all it was was a, a light was out. One of the sconces next to the bed. It wasn't a deal breaker at the end of the day, but I want to let them know. Because, you know, maybe other people don't let them know these things. Not a big deal. I'm not looking for money off. I don't want any deals or discounts, you know. Just feedback. Yeah, just feedback. So the guy emails back with a big thank you. I thank you for sharing this with us. We will address this concern right away. We'll also use your comments as a training tool for our staff as we work to perfect our guest experience. If your travel should return to Cleveland, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly. I'll be happy to personally handle the condition of your room personally 
And thank you again for choosing to stay with us, stay with us here at the Hyatt Regency Cleveland. Have a wonderful week ahead. Sincerely, the gentleman's name, executive housekeeper of the Hyatt Regency. Look, Hyatt Regencies sometimes don't get the best write-up. Sometimes people go off on them. Sometimes they're like, you know, for the money I'm paying, I need I need a small lapdog to come in and clean my toes. It's not the case. You know, keep your expectations in line here, people. Ew. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand you're a rock star on journey and, and travel right here. You know, you want the green M&Ms. The room has to be 72 degrees, a jar of peanut butter and a small dog. No, this isn't going to happen everywhere you go, bud. You know, you're, you're right. not a rock star everywhere you go, but accept it for what it is. You're going to use the feedback as training, Rick. He was very clear in in explaining that it was valued feedback that I provided forward. And they're also going to use this to help enhance and make things better in the future. I don't know. I, I thought this was real high class. I thought the guy knocked it out of the park. He didn't have to respond to me, but he did. He, he did went not. that extra mile, man. I think that's awesome from an organizational standpoint when you're thinking about customer service, when you're thinking about taking care of people. And, and especially when it's something that was kind of important to them. And they just want to share us a courtesy back. And here it was. What's your, what's your thoughts on this little uh, journey, this little story? So, so as I'm listening to this, all I'm thinking about is how awesome is that this, this associate, this manager, this executive is reaching back out to you to let you know about, it, well, thanking you for the feedback and using your feedback as training for the for what you experience in your stay. Now, I can't help but to think the only thing that happened is a light bulb was out. <laughs> right? So it's something that other organizations would dismiss, but they're taking it seriously. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I yeah. really appreciate it. It's not like your room was flooded. No. It's not like you went in there with a black light and all of a sudden it looks like something from Dateline, right? <laughs> no, right? It's a, it, it, it's, well, it, may, it's, it, may, it may have so looked small. that way after I left, but it's, who knows? Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so obviously this person didn't check the room after, before I'm kidding, saying, I'm, know, kidding, I'm, I know. kidding, I'm kidding, I'm no, kidding. Look, it, it's, it's, um, this, this shows that this organization, and, and, and I'll just say that specific organization, the they see their business as more than just somebody coming in, renting some time and space into a room. They see that as an experience, and they understand that. And again, that that is what I'm talking about in getting to know your customer. They know their customer. They know that you dished out a lot of money, and they want you to come back. But again, they're not focusing on the brick and mortar. They're not focusing on the physical aspects, the things you can feel and touch, those tangible things. They're talking about the experiences. So. For them to use, okay. Quick question: Did they solicit? So I did. Re- I did respond. Oh no, they solicited. They sent me an email okay. saying, "Hey, take the survey. Tell us what you thought." They respond. That is amazing. Yeah. That is awesome. But then they and personally they, they responded to the survey. Yep, that's right. It's not like it's an automatic. You know what? Hey, uh, so and so at the higher agency at do not reply dot com. Right. Yeah. I hate those. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's awesome that they reached out. Now, I was taking it back real quick because I don't think, and I'm not making fun of this, bro. I've never heard of an executive housekeeper. How is that different than, I don't know, a housekeeping manager? So it was yes. this the person in charge of all it, housekeepers? I or? don't know. It's a, it's a great question for that organization. Just to wrap up, though, on the backside of receiving that email, I did respond. Just to be okay. very clear, I said thanks for the personal follow-up and extension of services. For the record, and to be very clear, the minor things indicated in my feedback in no way detracted from the room, the crew, or the hotel in any way. I commend you and your team 
for persevering through this COVID insanity. Your establishment is a credit to the hard work of all employees and brings great credit to the city of Cleveland at large. And I look forward to staying with you again. On May 2nd, we will be discussing my stay at your hotel. Tune into HR Talk podcast. So I did lay that out there. Uh, Who knows? We'll see what feedback comes after this. I will love for whoever that is to come on this show. I would love to talk to them personally about what kind of training they provide to their staff. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll send the email over to you so you have it with the personal contact data. I'm not going to say it on the air right here, but if you want to reach out, feel free to reach out. You're my co-host. You're like family. You know, you may as well stay there yourself. I I probably was. (laughs) That freaking light. No, seriously, I would love to understand what kind of training they put their, their crew through to really understand their customer and really understand how what what it means to be of service because they got it they they definitely got now let me ask you are you going back at some point yeah i mean my journeys my travels it it takes me to many different places all the time Uh, i really haven't traveled a lot during covid i do have some things coming up over the next year that may take me that way but i'm gonna tell you this if i do head back that way that's where i'm going now you know, I, I, I feel like I trust box. them. I feel like I yes. trust them more than I would stay in anywhere else. You know, and here we and here's where other organizations really screw it up. When they ask for feedback, they get the feedback with a positive and negative and do nothing with it. Right. No, no callback, no follow up, because now exactly how we just said five minutes ago, we understand it's a real person be on, on, on the other end asking for this feedback. And we understand that they take it seriously to, again, relive or 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 enhance that experience going forward other organizations should really take note because i've seen way too many business owners who they ask for feedback thinking that the action of asking for feedback is enough and it isn't actually if you ask for feedback you do nothing with it and you don't respond you do worse damage to your brand than not asking for feedback at all so if you're going to go that route right you you just do something with it well unless you're getting the feedback from Tariq nasheed and you work for the Holiday Inn, then it's a different ball game right there. Oh, bro. I, I think sorry. a lot of people aren't familiar with Tariq Nasheed or what I'm talking about. If you could lay that out for us real quick. So this is the incident that happened last week where this 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 guy went through a Holiday Inn. And everybody has seen this video. It's a really troubling video to watch. And apparently there was a mix-up in his reservation. Now, this is according to what I'm reading. I don't know if this is true or false. This is just what I'm reading off the web because, of course, everything's true on the web. So anyway, um, he starts recording because apparently um, he noticed the Holiday Inn Express employee was really frustrated and he hit the computer. And that's what caused him to bring out his phone and start recording. I don't know if he knew this. So so the guy checking in starts recording the worker because yep. the worker hit the computer. Co- correct. Because okay. they, were, they, they were having a conversation about the issue with um, uh, Tariq's re- re- reservation, right? And um, I think I read somewhere that the employee said, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Please bear with me. But the guy just kept instigating, instigating, instigating. And the guy, the employee started getting even more frustrated and more frustrated. And I don't know if he even said that he's got mental issues. I don't know if he said that or not. Uh, but anyway, the issue here is is that the employee started hitting the computer really hard, grabbed the monitor, and started hitting his head and hitting himself. And obviously, this employee has it, it's, it's having a mental breakdown. And 
I don't mean that in a bad sense. It's this is exactly what happened. And this this other guy, the customer, kept recording and instigating and instigating. And there were other reports that the the customer called him the uh, the uh, f word, right? Um, because apparently this other employee. What, what's the f word? Seriously, I'm not going to say. No, I'm not going to say. It's the derogatory term for somebody who's homosexual. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah. So then, um, uh, so the employee started crying, went away all outside of the camera, and the and this customer kept recording, just saying, "This is who the employee here." This is the kind of people they have on board. JC, I don't, I don't remember any other video in the past year that has pissed me off as much as this one. Why? Because this person, this employee, is having a, a an emergency right then and there, and the only thing this guest could do is record and taunt him even more. I mean, that it, it's it's is this where humanity has gone? And. Once you start looking into this person's uh, um, uh, uh, Twitter feed, the guy who was recording, he claims on his profile that he's a professional race baiter. So I, I think that's what he was trying to do, trying to bait this employee into something. And instead, he got him to have a mental breakdown, make fun of him while he's, do- while he's having that mental breakdown, and continue that barrage. April, April 25th, 2021, 7.03 p.m., Tariq Nasheed posts on Twitter, a white Holiday Inn Express worker has a nervous breakdown after he got scolded by a black customer because of a mistake in the reservation system. The video was found posted on the subreddit Public Freakout, and the man in the video actually responded to say that that was him. Mm-hmm. Quote, that's me, literally on the edge of my rope and contemplating a lot of things as I view this. Doesn't every, anyone have a bad day anymore? With the guy recording me, didn't record was calling me a derogatory term for homosexuals. Mm -hmm. The F word he puts in his post and for taking his money, which is my job as well as threatening my job security. Well, that depiction is correct because I am a giant homosexual. That was that I was done right before he started his recording. I told him I have a mental illness. I need a moment to think before he kept going and going and going and going and going before it became too much. Nasheed continued to defend his decision to post the video and his implication that the young man is a racist after facing blowback from both progressives and conservatives. Quote, the Holiday Inn employee video I posted that went viral has a lot of white supremacists using the man's disorder as a way to project their anti-black racism. He tweeted after his grotesque post drew the Internet's ire. He also claimed that the employee was drunk on the job without any proof. I'm pretty sure most of the people calling you out for this aren't white supremacists, one user replied. Yes, they are, said Nasheed. (laughs) I'm sorry, JC. Look, look. It Um, further went on to uh, another user posted, what's your purpose in posting this? What are you trying to gain? Nasheed replied saying it's called Twitter. Yeah, dude. He, He, look. I know we're talking the employee, about customer service. The employee did make one final post here just to wrap it up for you. Go ahead. Wrap it up. because He says he doesn't want to give up. The bosses are really weird. He <laughs> says ahead. he doesn't want to give up. He doesn't. He has to live for uh, his relationship. Uh, who I really want to be. Uh, uh, who I really want to be my husband someday. 
The employee wrote on Reddit, I need to live for my dogs, Ellie and Joel, because I love them with all my heart, and I couldn't bear parting with them early and have them wonder why I didn't come home. What do I do? So there, there were deep contemplations as to yeah. what. Warning signs, bro. Yes, go ahead, go ahead. Go Warning ahead. signs. Red flags all over the freaking place right there. Look, I know we're talking about customer service, and I know we just said about 10 minutes ago that customers is the reason businesses exist. And I, it's, I grew up in an era where I was always told ever since I started working, the customer is always right. And, and JC, I believed that for a while. Until I started to realize that customers can also be assholes. And if they can be a-holes like that, then do you really need them as a customer? Right? This is what HR really needs to, to, to step in and provide training, provide resources. Don't get me wrong. I am not blaming the Holiday Inn because there's no way the Holiday Inn could have known this was going to happen. Right? But I do know that after this story aired and it got a lot of social media attention, they are stepping in, as they should. So I applaud the, the Holiday Inn for stepping in and helping this young man. But here's what I also want to see them do. If you have a customer that's berating your employee to the point that he's contemplating not coming home, just think about what that means. Read between those lines. He's not going to actually say it. But if you're smart, you're able to see what the hell he's talking about. He's talking about just taking his own life. Is is one customer worth it for one of your employees to go through such shit that he believes that he needs to take his own life? They need to fire the customer. If you got customers like that, don't welcome them back into your organization. I know that's not what business leaders want to hear, but at the end of the day, we it's somewhere along the line, bro, we have lost all kind of human decency. Fine. You don't agree with how he thinks. You don't agree in how he lives his life. So who gives a shit? Right? He's having a mental breakdown. Don't instigate and help the poor guy out. If I was the holiday and I'll find out exactly what kind of reservations he has and cancel every single one and everywhere else he goes, I hope everybody else follows. Yes, it's cancel culture. I don't give a shit. But this is not a customer that I would want, and this is not a customer every other organization should want. So Holiday Inn, thank you for stepping in because they are stepping in to help this young man, and I really hope they take this into account on providing the value, training, and advertising the value of EAP programs, employee assistance programs, because they are out there, but employees are not going to use them if they don't know they exist. How would you write that policy from an HR perspective for more of a employer and employee rights consideration based approach when dealing with a a unruly customer or or someone that's harassing, uh, bullying, or, or crossing the line? And, you and just said it. Go ahead. You, you, it's there. Every or every major organization has it. Every major organization, including the Holiday Inn, has a policy that associates are not to be uh, 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 employees are not to harass other people, and you have the reasonable expectation not to be harassed. Now, it doesn't say by other employees; it's just not to be harassed. That's other employees, third-party contractors, the uh, customers, your boss, the dog. I don't care. You have a reasonable expectation not to be harassed, and the policy is there. Enforce it enforce it how how valuable is that customer's money if they keep berating employees like this it's ridiculous it really is so the policy is already there the only thing you need to do hr is just to make sure that you 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 highlight this incident because that's what i'm going to call it an incident to train other managers if they see things like this invoke that policy 
right? You're not going to harass my employees. Thank you very much for your business. Take it elsewhere. Boom. Done. It's already there. According to TravelPulse.com, the public has donated more than $100,000 to a harassed hotel worker as of May 1st, just yesterday. A video that went viral of a hotel worker suffering a nervous breakdown after being harassed by a guest has resulted into more than $100,000 in donations to the young man. The front desk worker at a Holiday Inn Express hit himself several times and then banged his head into a computer monitor when a man apparently disputing something um, was disputing something regarding his reservation. Most people that saw the video were absolutely shocked by what they saw. And they saw it on Twitter when it was shared by a journalist identified as Tariq Nasheed, an online personality who bills himself as the world's number one race baiter in his Twitter bio, adding, I beat racists and I expose them. Nasheed said in subsequent tweets that he was not the man harassing the hotel worker, although he was. <laughs> a GoFundMe page has raised more than $130,000 as of Saturday morning for the worker identified as Caleb C. Caleb put in uh, put a comment of thanks on the page and said he did quit his position over the incident with the support of his management, which said it would take him back whenever he's ready to come back to work. Good. You see, so so the holiday Inn is stepping in and and I'm I'm really happy that they are doing that. But JC, this is just one video. How many times does this happen across this country that we don't see that video and we don't get to talk about it? Employees get berated all the time in the service industry. Servers get berated. I used to work for Darden restaurants. You know how many in, in, um, issues I have seen where these servers get yelled at. They get spit on. They get berated like there's some kind of uh, it's insect. It's just it, it's again. What the hell? You know what? That's it. I got a story for you. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I'm saying it right now. Uh, as part of my SQL learning, uh, it's because, you know, I do a lot of training and development. I am going to put a class out there on basic human decency. That's it. That's going to happen. You're going to see that in the next couple of weeks. There will be a class, and I can't believe I have to put a class together to teach people how to be a decent human being. But that's what I'm going to do. There will be a class for organizations to where they can focus because everybody has the capability of being a basic human being. It's not that they don't have that capability. It's that they choose not to. Right. And this class, it, it, it's 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 going to be about choosing to be that decent human being. That way, um, uh, yeah, shit like this doesn't happen again. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. You, you had a story. Sorry. Just, to, just to be clear for everyone that is listening to HR talk, he said human being, not being. 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 I'll make sure that's emphasized in this right <laughs> You know, when I used to go site to site. I don't do this so much anymore, but back in the day, you know, you, you, you check into wherever you're going, you get, you get settled in, you hang your suit up, you polish your shoes, you get settled, you lay out your, your plan for the next few days, and then you put on some comfy clothes and you go walk around, you know, you, you walk around the hotel, you walk around the city a little bit, you get a vibe for things, maybe even stop by the business that you're going to visit, but you don't okay. dress up or tell them who you are. You just stop by. And in those moments, one of the things I used to like to do, Rick, was uh, just talk to random people, meaning not necessarily random people, but when you've done a job in the past, 
and it doesn't matter what industry that you've done the job in, you have a greater appreciation for people that are doing the job, and then you reach a point where you understand that the radical candor that you may receive from somebody that's cleaning the floor or that's working in the back might be more honest than what you'll receive when you sit in the boardroom. Now, some people say it might be slightly dishonest by showing up and just randomly talking to people, but little do they know at that time. Okay. So I always relished in having the opportunity to talk to someone that may have been cleaning the floors as I was walking by because I'm not going to walk on your wet floor. I've yeah. been there. I'm going to walk around it. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. Come on. And they turn off the buffer and they throw their arms down in defeat. They know exactly what they're up against at that point. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. I appreciate you. I'm not going that way. And they get that look in their eye. Like, seriously? Thank they give you. A shit. They're like, yeah. thank you. You actually <laughs> yeah. understand. And yeah. then maybe you even talk for 60 seconds, couple minutes, you change names, you whatever. You see the person later on, you you wave hi. But you know that you there's a mutual respect for the hard work that's being done. Now you think about that that auto shop that you were talking about earlier. The person that would actually take the time to clean the customer service area, there's going to be a high level of respect for that person at the end of the day because they're doing something and providing a service that you're not going to find somewhere else. And when you approach that situation from an external perspective and you don't forget your roots, you don't forget where you came from. Everyone had to come up and start from somewhere. I don't care if you were gifted the opportunity when you're young to be the VP in charge of an organization or if you worked hard to get to where you finally are, you still had to pay dues at some point in time in your life in some way, shape or form. So a little bit of common decency and respect goes a long way. It's understood. Something might not be going your way, and you might be mad about a situation. Just just say it then when you're talking to somebody. Look, I'm not mad at you. I'm irate, and I'm a little upset right now about the organization, the process, this, that, and the other. But I'm not mad at you as a person. I just need to get this out in the same way, and I'm not venting on you, but if you could just help hear my words and maybe help guide me or something, but this is the issue, and lay it out there and see what happens. I don't know. It's it's worked for me in the past. It's not something that everyone needs to do, but it, it works, though. Well, JC, so I just had a, uh, a free webinar last Thursday called The Five Ways to Build an HR Team That Doesn't Suck. Um, you wasn't there, but you touched on one of the main things I talked about in that webinar. And one of the things I talked about is it's, it's when you have an issue with another associate, when you, we, when you have an issue with another person, one of the biggest mistakes we can do is to focus on the person and not on the issue. But if you focus on the issue and not on the person, you'd be surprised what kind of, what kind of um, uh, a partnership you get in fixing that issue. Because if you focus on the person, the dukes are going to come up, right? They're going to get defensive. Real quick story. Yesterday, we were on our way to Disney. <laughs> Big surprise. And we stopped by um, uh, Chick-fil-A. And I was, it, it's, the line was horrendous. It, it's, it was 2 p.m., right? But the line was horrendous. And once I got to the drive through window, I saw, I just looked inside. I saw three out of the four people in there moving at sl- molasses speed. But there was this one tiny young girl who was going left and right filling ICs, filling all these things, and just running. She was sweating like nobody's business. So I asked the person at the window, what's her name? Oh, Kiara. Awesome. Um, so what's just the, uh, the, uh, the uh, store number? It's on the receipt. Cool. So I went ahead and shot an email to the, uh, uh, to the uh, store manager that I found the information on the receipt to say, everybody in that store needs to follow the same sense of urgency as Kiara. 
She was not in the window. But let me tell you, her job at that time was just filling ice, you know, filling cups of ice and just going back and forth because I guess the ice machine was broken, right? Pretty small job, but she made everybody else's job easier because of a sense of urgency. Love because it. Because of how hard she was working. So I sent that feedback in. So, yes, your story about how you make that connection with these folks, that's exactly what we should do. But we, as customers, should also take the time. When we see somebody doing something good, let's, let's, let's um, uh, let somebody know about it. Just with with the same energy that we let somebody know how somebody messed up, let's let them know when they do some, something good. That way they get some incentive to keep doing that in the future. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Going back Wait. earlier this month, Verizon, there was an ex-Verizon employee that spoke out and explained why it's not worth helping customers, actually. As the pandemic rolled along, many things in phone retail <laughs> changed. And what's happening in stores, according to a recently departed Verizon employee, seems quite extraordinary. Now, this article comes from ZDNet.com. This is dated April 11th, written by Chris uh, Matizic. Uh, feel free to check that out. Ricky, this will be uh, in our list if you go back uh, a few weeks around that April 11th time frame. And uh, basically it's saying it was always interesting to look at new phones and ask salespeople what they really, really feel about the phones. But COVID-19 has somewhat curtailed my forays into the outside world. This hasn't, however, stopped carrier store employees from getting in touch and, well, telling, uh, telling it how they see it. Now, this ex-employee states the company is directing employees to only offer a $17 a month insurance offer called Verizon Protect, he said. This is a product that made up of, made up of a bunch of individual products sold as a package. So if someone wants coverage on their phone for lost or stolen stuff, there's an option for $6.85 a month. However, it was forbidden internally by the organization by leadership for retail employees to offer this to customers. Now, it sounds really weird, right? There's a product you have, but you don't want customers to know about it. This person states that Verizon Protect includes features like Tech Coach, which is a third-party tech support line that's absolutely horrendous, and it's, it's pointless. So during COVID, they decided to make the commission um, a team model. They also took out upgrades as a form of compensation altogether. Uh, instead, in order to get commissioned salespeople... They had to either sell new lines or accessories, watch tab uh, watches, tablets, and, and insurance, and there was a new third way to qualify for commissions. They also added a new component that directly affected commissions based off of customer satisfaction surveys. If you open an account, the customer got a survey. If that customer gave you an eight or below, that would lower the pay for the store. Oh. What happened is that no one would open accounts. If the customer isn't buying something, then... They, they sent them away to either the website, the chat, or, or call in customer service. Wow. So they started to wonder, what does open accounts mean? Open an account would be asking for a phone number and sending verification to the customer. You don't need to sell anything. You just go into the account, look at the bill, take a payment. Also, if the customer picks up an order, open an account would be accessing an account. Essentially, then some salespeople didn't want to run the risk of being scored poorly because a customer and risk lowering the team's commission. So they tried to send the customer to the parts of Verizon for help at the end of the day. <laughs> so when you think about your service being upgraded, they're trying not to upgrade your service. When you're thinking about looking for assistance, they're not trying to provide assistance because the larger corporation is providing negative hits. Now, customers still want humans at the end of the day, but Verizon, uh, do they? This particular salesperson struck on a very important issue. People still want to go into a store and talk to a real person. Look, we're all one of those people, right? 
Yeah. You change the retail's entire landscape. Stop placing the blame and understanding that everybody wants to succeed. But you're, the vision of this organization handicapped the ability for anyone to win. The customers aren't ready and willing to do the telesales world just yet. They don't want a chat box. They don't want bad answers from an app. And then you're thinking AI is absolutely wonderful. Hit the chat. What customers don't realize is that a few years ago, Verizon laid off all of their technical support people. Not one employee in Verizon-owned retail store has any type of technical training on devices. Some of those people were hired back into the larger organization at which they're providing customer service and technical support over the phone, but it's extremely hard to reach them due to their IVR. So... There's many fond memories of working for Verizon from this employee. And uh, now that he doesn't work there anymore, he states that he can sleep at night. The culture was great, but the new upper leadership has distorted it. Uh, This was actually a a truncated abbreviation from the story written by Chris Matizek. An ex-Verizon employee explains why it's not worth helping customers from ZDNet.com. Ricky, back to you. This is great. So... They had a process that <laughs> I, it's, I find this so hilarious. So instead of focusing on the customer service, they they move mountains <laughs> and jump through everything, jump through a million hoops to just make sure the the customer doesn't go to the area where they can give you feedback on their customer service. That's right. W- wouldn't they spend a lot less time and a lot less energy just fixing the customer service issue, right? Because if you're an organization and you don't want your customers to go online and give you feedback, then maybe you have to question why you're there to begin with. You should encourage that. You should welcome, like the higher agency did, they welcome that feedback. But no, instead of doing that, I mean, I get it. It hits the wallets, right? And I'm sure that's what upper management did. Let's hit their wallets because what gets measured gets done. So they started measuring those things and to make sure they they get an incentive, right? So they put those policies in place. But no, instead is, oh, you don't open an account, go ahead, go to IVR. Hey, real quick, JC, here's an impression of me dealing with Verizon Wireless every time I call. You ready? Operator! Operator! I'm yelling at the top of my lungs. Clap your hands in a circle next time. There we go. I hate it. I hate if we ever get so big that we need some kind of a uh, of a, a phone service like that, it's all going to be humans. Nothing. No IVR. Nothing like that. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the top of the first hour here. You're listening to HR Talk <laughs> with Ricky Bias and JC. Operator! Thanks for tuning back in. Um, we've covered some great, great customer service topics and and. and Amazing uh, stories that are in the news that should be a little bit eye-opening. We're going to continue on here an hour or two with some of your current events and other things that are going on. Ricky, when I look back on some of the articles that you sent to me, um, there's some stuff that's stuck behind a paywall that I can't see. Uh, You gave me a link back on April 8th. And again, we've been on the road. We've been doing conferences. We've been talking uh, uh, speeches, webinars, etc. We haven't had a chance to really connect on some of these current event topics over the past month, but on April 8th, you sent me a link for an article about after working at Google, I'll never let myself love a job again. It was an opinion piece out of the New York Times. It was something that you really, really wanted to talk about going back a few weeks. We just never really had the opportunity to do so. I can't read that article. It's stuck behind a paywall. Um, I'm sure at one point in time I could have. Maybe I exceeded my one-story limit. 
for the month of May here between yesterday and today, but <laughs> I'm fine not covering that uh, if you don't want to. No, no, it, it's look, I give you a big synopsis of it. It's that it's the 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 article is that the New York Times after working at Google, I'll never let myself love a job again. It's this one software engineer who worked there for 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 a while and she was always touted to say, you want to work at Google, you want to work there, you want to work there. And she fell in love with the idea of working there. After working there, she found the culture was so toxic. What? That she, yeah, it was toxic. Because, really? Yeah, because managers kept um, making her feel uncomfortable about how she worked, how she didn't work, how she smiled, how she didn't smile. If she didn't fit the Google persona, then they really gave her a hard time about it, right? And then she had some deep-rooted mental issues as well that were not being addressed at the time. Again, here we are again talking about mental health. And look, it's May. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And Friday Chats, this past Friday, we had a mental health expert on the show. Her name is uh, Paige Zuckerman, who, who, uh, who talks about that. Go check that out. That was a great episode. But in this particular article, what she's saying is she let herself love her job so much that she forgot all about her dignity. She forgot all about her mental health. And it, these are things that as leaders we have to, uh, to uh, keep an eye on because there were several uh, 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 spots in that article where leaders really missed the ball. They really missed the mark on helping this associate out. You know what's funny about that? I, I hearken back to uh, just a real quick story about myself for everybody uh, to a recent job I had where 10 years prior when I started, I came in with this this vision, this this forward thinking attitude and, and persona. I wanted to shoot for the stars, and the organization was still, you know, using fax machines and note cards. So, <laughs> as as time went by, they've enhanced. Uh, they they've jumped forward twenty to thirty years in technology and and organization and leadership and and fundamentals and and effective change. But there's there's still like some stuff stuck in the middle that's like not cool. But over that decade's worth of time, I can recall like everything stuck in the middle, like really trying to press on me really hard, saying, "No, you need to change. You need to conform to this. You need to be this way." You know what? We're not going to give this opportunity to you right now because you don't see it the way that we do. You need to align with this. You need to align with that. Ten years later. We're blown away at the fact that you already are in line with the vision that we're trying to change to. Oh, my gosh. You're an amazing person. This is really good. And I didn't change. All I did was let the dog <laughs> hump my leg for 10 years waiting for my opportunity. You know, it's it's kind of funny to me. So let's talk about the Google lady. You know, you go in, you've got your 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 own personal mission, vision, and values. You align with what an organization espouses to be. You align with their leadership in the executive direction there's toxicity involved you got a real tough decision to make am i going to stick this out and see it through to to make the organization better and contribute in the ways that i know how but i'm going to have to put in time to get to that point to to benefit everybody in the process from myself to the organization to the people we serve and and you're doing it from a a genuine place of wanting to make the world better, or do you conform, collapse, lose yourself altogether, buy in, ladder climb, do this, and then then make that switch later on, you know, live two-faced for those years, or do you just leave and go to another organization that has opportunities? It's really hard right now, Rick. We could talk about this conceptually, 
But when we think about the way that the market is, uh, the way that hirings are, uh, how unless you're in Texas or Florida, you're not going to find a job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, things are really, really hard out there right now. So yeah. it's it's a tough cross to bear at the end of the day. It is. Let me let me so, so let me approach it from the organization's point of view first. Um, let me just make sure we're, we're, we're clear. There's nothing wrong with empowering your employees to live and breathe the culture of the organization. Otherwise, there'll be no culture. Where the issue comes into place, into play, is when business leaders try to do that in a way where the employee cannot be authentic in doing so. They, they have to like let a piece of who they are die in order to do so. The art here is to make sure that whoever you hire, you treat them in such a way that they live and breathe the culture authentically from their perspective. They don't lose a little piece of who they are. They don't lose a little piece of their dignity in doing so. And not many leaders know how to do that. That's when training comes into play to find that perfect balance. It's perfectly okay for, for you to conform. See, I don't even want to use the word conform. It's perfectly okay for you to find that balance. There it is. Of the culture of, yeah, to, of the culture of the organization and who you truly are. If yes. you're a leader who knows how to do that and empowers your associates, you're going to get a shit hot team that are not going to go anywhere. Hey, question and for you, Rick. Question for yeah. you, Rick. And, and, uh, and our, anyone else that's out there, I'm going to be looking for the first answer on the table. What is the problem with yes men? Ricky, go ahead. That they don't give you the real answer. All right. They just want, yeah. Let, yeah. Let's see if it's on the board. They don't give you the right answer. Survey says. You are correct. There it is. There it is, Ricky Bias. You just won. And all expenses paid cruise to the Beachfront Studios of A1A Beachfront Studios, courtesy of HR Talk. It's really a trench front. It's in the uh, backyard of where Ricky lives anyways. But feel free to walk in your backyard after the show and enjoy your vacation. Back to you. Can I say something? The first time we had Wendy, the HR lady here, uh, I was dying laughing when she came over into the studio. She's like, where's the beach? You're nowhere near the beach. <laughs> I'm like, you really thought this is a beachfront studio? <laughs> and Wendy, if you're listening, that's not how I really think you talk. So that's just what came to mind. <laughs> Too funny. No. Yeah. So, yes, man. If you create a culture that all you get is yes, men, then you are paying a large payroll for nothing because nobody is giving you valuable input. Bro. Nobody is using their talents to help the organization move from A to B. And, and let's be honest, exactly- you're not going to get a group of yes women. It will be yes men. Women will speak up. That's why there's no terms such as yes women. <laughs> they will speak up and they will tell you you are wrong. They will. They will. I, I hope so. I Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We don't also want people to say, hey, you're an a-hole. This is wrong. There has to be some respect and tact. Ooh, also- there it is. Humanity right. back to the uh, human they, aspect they, of no. Of the interactions. Hey, guess so what? Yeah. It's time for current events. Current events this week is brought to you in part by Bias Co Learning, the home of the A1A Beachfront Studios. It's more a trench front, but people still enjoy it just the same. We are ah. going to be covering some key 
and, and essential current event topics that may have been missed over the past month or so. This first one is coming from LiveScience.com. 17 days ago, part human, part monkey embryos have been grown in lab dishes. Scientists injected dozens of human stem cells into developing monkey embryos, and the resulting hybrids survived for 20 days in lab dishes. These human-monkey hybrid embryos could someday serve as helpful models for human disease embryonic development and aging. The study authors noted in a new report published April 15th in the journal Cell. By zooming in on one of the interactions of human and animal cells in the embryo, scientists could also learn how to help human cells survive amongst animal cells, potentially advancing the effort to grow human organs in living animal models. Such studies would offer a window into human biology that would otherwise require experimenting on people, making such studies currently impossible. So, of course, the development of human-animal chimeras, organisms that contain cells from two or more species, raises its own ethical concerns, especially in regard to how long such embryos would be allowed to develop. In the past, scientists have attempted to incorporate human stem cells into pigs and sheep, with the eventual goal of growing human organs in livestock for use in transplant surgeries, according to the Science Magazine reported a long time ago. Now, the low survival rate of these monkeys could be due to the fact that they're not monkeys and that pigs and sheep aren't closely related to humans either. Evolutionarily speaking, senior author Juan Carlos Belamonte, a professor at the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in uh, California, told Live Science in an email, for instance, pigs and humans have been diverging from each other for 90 million years when they last shared a common ancestor. And just like that, JC, the movie Planet of the Apes went from science fiction to documentary. Stop messing with things, people. Stop messing with things. I get it. You're trying to, to, to help humanity and, and just propel biology and the medical field forward. But there are some things that you just, if you don't understand, leave that shit alone. That's all I'm going to say about it. Over in the Philippines on April 17th, the Philippines, a giant clamshell was found worth $25 million. It was seized in a raid. Around 200 tons of illegally illegally harvested giant clamshells worth near $25 million, 18 million euros, were seized in the Philippines. The seizure is one of the largest ever hauls of the endangered clamshell species. Now, four suspects have been arrested on an island in the ecologically protected province of Palawan. Giant clams can grow larger than one meter across and weigh up to 250 kilograms, and they're seen as vital to the local marine ecosystem. The Philippines is home to, to most of the world's giant tropical clam species. Taking the giant clams from their natural habitat is a form of intergenerational crime. According to some news reporters, it will permanently affect the marine ecosystem and future generations will be deprived of the benefits accruing from it. In the Philippines, killing endangered species can lead to prison sentences of up to 12 years and fines of up to a million pesos, which equals five euros. Ricky, back no fifteen thousand euros. Oh. Back to you. <laughs> so there was a raid, like an actual raid. Like ages got together. These people trained to kill terrorists and stop terrorism worldwide. They suited up for a raid to stop illegal clamming. Is that what I heard? We are going to assemble the clam recovery task force. <laughs> right. 
that's 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 what I'm thinking about. These guys trained to be killers and stop terrorism, and they just go in and uh, I just hear the clump. I mean, I don't know what the accent is, but twenty five million dollars worth. I mean, I guess that's a that's a that's a noble cause. I mean, I'm sorry. That's all I was thinking about the training these guys went through for that. <laughs> sorry. From BBCNews.com, back on April 21st, an Italian hospital employee accused of skipping work for 15 years was recently recently what? charged. Now, the man is alleged to have stopped turning up to work at a hospital in the southern city of Cantacenario in 2005. He's now being investigated for fraud, extortion, and abuse of office, according to the ANSA reports of the Italian news agency. He reportedly paid 464 pounds, 538,000 euros uh, in total over the years that he, so he was paid like half a million euros <laughs> in total over the years he is thought to have not actually been working. Six managers at the hospital are also being investigated in connection with the alleged absenteeism. The arrests are a result of the lengthy police investigation into absenteeism and suspected fraud in the Italian public sector. The employee was a civil servant and was assigned to a job in the hospital in 2005. It was at that point that he stopped going to work. The manager later retired and his ongoing absence was never noticed by the successor or human resources. They kept paying him for 15 years. Back to you. So hold on. on. This story is about a guy who didn't show up for work for 15 years and still got paid. Meanwhile, I know some people who have employees is late back from lunch for 15 minutes and the manager's already on their ass. Yeah, right. Exactly. Wow. (laughs) You can't sit down on the toilet on your break. Get back on the phone. (laughs) Yet this guy's gone for 15 years. Wow, dude. Wow. What does that say about the leadership of the organization? Who's in charge of finances? Wow. Says it's, you know a, what? it's amazing. Do you blame the guy, though? I mean, come on. Let's take all rules and politics aside. The guy's like, I'm not coming to work. I'm getting paid. Whose fault is that? He Maybe he didn't know where the money was coming from. It was direct deposit. Maybe he's like, wow, I really sold stuff on eBay. I'm, yeah, I'm right. going <laughs> yeah, to continue making these hand-knit crocheted bracelets and and see how much money I can make. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> you know? Don't get me wrong, right? The guy was wrong, right? He's getting money that he didn't earn. He should say something about the it. The article <laughs> never stated whether or not he knew that he continued to get paid uh, by the organization, though. So I, it's, They had to. Why else would the police be involved? Yeah. Good point. They had to. Send Otherwise, out, who cares? <laughs> send out the clam task force. <laughs> Your next current event story is coming to us from independent.co.uk. Conor McGregor has bought a Dublin pub where he punched a man and swiftly barred him. The Irishman has invested into the Dublin establishment, which was the scene of one of the most notorious incidents back in 2019. Conor McGregor officially purchased the pub in Dublin where he he punched someone in the face, got into an argument with them. There, There was a whole thing going on. So he he bought the pub and banned the guy from showing up there. Back Look, to you. I cannot I cannot stand Connor, right? And, and for those really? of you who don't know, I no, dude. He he's he is great. So he's well, great. No, he's a great athlete. He's a great athlete. I think he's, he's hysterical. You know, but as a human being, he's a piece of crap, right? Well, and, we don't and, know and, that. You don't know that. 
Okay, I don't know him personally. All right, but there it is. You see the guy he punched? He's no. an older guy. Oh. He's an old guy. I remember <laughs> that story. Right? <laughs> he's so pompous and he's a but I get it, right? I give I give credit where credit is due. He's an amazing athlete, he's an amazing entertainer. Um, but I find that story hilarious, right? So what a big F you. He's like he punched a guy. I think they had a big discussion or a big uh agreement about his whiskey. Connor's whiskey, right? And I guess the guy said he didn't like it. The guy was much older. He punched him, right? So he looked like an ass. And then he comes back, bites the bar. You can't come back him. Yeah. You're gone. <laughs> Your next story is coming to us from LL Now, written by Mark Schremer. Uh, the Ninth Circuit this is actually a real, real serious story now. We're going to get into a into something here for a brief heartbeat, ladies and gentlemen. The Ninth Circuit Court has ruled AB5 not preempted, has officially lifted the injunction as of April 28th. So the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit has determined that California's worker classification law is not preempted by federal law and has removed a preliminary injunction against enforcing state law on motor carriers. A long-awaited decision in the Ninth Circuit issued the opinion Wednesday, April 28th, nearly eight months after... Uh, they gave oral um, on September 1st. The three judge what? panel re- <laughs> oral arguments. Uh, the three Thank judge you. panel oh, ruled two to one that California's AB5 uh, rulings and, and laws is a generally applicable labor law and rejected the California Trucking Association's argument that the Federal Aviation Administration's Authorization Act, F4A, preempts AB5 from being applied to the trucking industry. The controversial decision comes about three years after the California Supreme Court's Dynamex decision established the ABC test, which considers all workers to be employees unless the hiring business demonstrates that three factors are established. They revised the ABC test through AB5 to state that A, the worker is free from the control and direction of the hirer in connection with the performance of the work, both under contract for the performance of the work and in fact. B, that the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. C, that the worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as that involved in the work performed. In September 2019, California's Senate passed AB5, which codifies the California Supreme Court's decision. The law, which was intended to apply to a variety of industries, went into effect January 1, 2020. The California Trucking Association argued that the B prong of the test would effectively end the owner-operator model in the state. CTA, California Trucking Association, CTA sued over the law contending AB5 was preempted by the F4A, which prevents states from enforcing the law regulation related to a price, route, or service of motor carriers. Shortly after AB5 went into effect, the U.S. Southern District Court of California granted the preliminary injunction to stop the state from enforcing it on motor carriers. It contains numerous exemptions for numerous industries and professions categorically and contains other exceptions for other industries and professions that are conditionally available, said Andrew Tauber, an attorney for CTA. It actually specifically targets the trucking industry. See... So when this whole contractor employee thing started becoming really big a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's industry. I mean, that's in- interesting. Now they're messing with truckers. Let me tell you, do not mess with truckers. 
I mean, literally, I know everybody says every small business is the backbone of the U.S. But let me tell you, truckers are literally the backbone of the United States. They really are. If they all of a sudden got pissed and stopped working, you will have nothing to shop for. You go to Walmart. You go to all these stores. Gas. You're not going to find anything at all. Now, a lot of people don't know this. Most truckers are 1099 um, uh, workers. They are. They are contracted. They own their own rig, and they and they contract their services out to all these big companies. Walmart, in the past 15 years, has started to change that, and now uh, Amazon is 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 completely blowing everything out of the water because now they're getting their own fleet and their own fleet. They obviously they are going to be um, uh, W2 employees, but now you start muddying the lines between what a W2 employee is and a 1099. Um, uh, contractor is, you're going to start having issues. And these truckers start getting pissed. It, don't get mad when you can't find, you know, your favorite soda or your or your favorite item at your local store. Even to be delivered, that's going to be an issue because that will stop the economy. So that was, uh, that was as of April 28th. On April 29th, uh, Fox Business put a story together here. It talks about the U.S. Department of Labor, led by Secretary mm-hmm. Marty Walsh, does support strengthening worker protections and potentially also efforts to classify gig gig economy workers as full-time employees. A spokesman for the Department of Labor, Labor confirmed that Walsh said he believed many gig workers should be considered employees in a statement to Fox Business on Thursday following a report from Reuters. Quote, the secretary was reiterating that misclassification is a pervasive issue that impacts both the economy and workers. Worker protections under federal law create a safety net of security and benefits that provide ladders of opportunity into the middle class. The safety net should be further strengthened. As our recovery continues, we should support the employer-employee relationship and all opportunities that it provides. Basically stating independent contractor status is not what the workers should have, even though that's what the workers want. want. That's what they want. Leave them alone. You know what? I blame Uber and Lyft. Before Uber and Lyft, this was not a conversation that, that, that was on the table. It wasn't, right? And then you got these folks that come and start yelling and screaming that they want to be treated better and, and all these things. They want all these benefits, right? Not knowing how they would disrupt the industry. Most truckers that I've known, I could be wrong, and if, if there's any trucker listening, please send me an email, ebiasabiasco.com. I would love to have you on the show and get your perspective. But I, I, the ones that I know, oh, man. they love the freedom. They love the freedom of being a tenant and a contract. There's an awesome trucker that uh, we follow each other of HR Talk and, and the trucker on Instagram. You got to get him pulled up. He's got the all-black truck. He's based out of New Jersey, I believe. He's got, like, all the tattoos, too. Super wicked cool guy, man. This is, like, hands down. One of the coolest trucks you've ever seen. The entire thing is, like, matte black. He's got chains and, like like pointy spikes on it all over the joint. I forget his name, but uh, yeah, he's legendary all the way up and down 95, the 95 corridor uh, for being one of the, <laughs> just a badass truck, man. You know, okay. he's been featured in many, many magazines. I forget his name right now. You're going to find him real quick. I know I, I sent you a message about him before and you said you might actually know him or know someone that knows him. That'd be <laughs> cool to get him on, man. It really would. Dude. Hey, that would be on. Well, 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 I'm doing a little digging on trying to get that name for you here. If you could pull up the CBS uh, news video, this went out 
this was on April 30th, the next day. So 28th, 29th, 30th, this issue continues. Uh, this was put together stating that uh, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh thinks many gig workers should be categorized as employees, and this is their take on it. Ricky Baez, when you're ready, just give me a thumbs up. Go ahead. Foods lift which has launched some free... Oh, I'm going to start it over. Program. Hold on. Start some it over. companies are making huge efforts to help reduce the carbon their carbon footprint around the world. That includes Lyft, which has launched some free bike-sharing programs that could keep some drivers and cars off the road. The rideshare company is also investing in new bike stations, safer bike lanes, and a number of health measures in some of the busiest cities. More on this, let's bring in Anthony Fox. He is the chief policy officer at Lyft and the former U.S. Transportation Secretary for the Obama administration. He also served as mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina. Good to see you, sir. Charlotte. Great to see you. So today is Earth Day, as you know. Tell us how Lyft is celebrating in, in, uh, this momentous day and how the coronavirus pandemic impacted the company's community initiatives. Well, we've seen 1.8 million people try biking uh, through our system over the past year. And it's really because people know that it's a uh, it's a safe alternative given the, the pandemic, and many cities have cooperated with us to uh, make biking uh, a real central part of the transportation system, closing down certain streets and even some bridges in places like New York to, to do bike-only and pedestrian-only uh, travel. That's been a huge, uh, huge impact for us. Um, I want to ask you about something a little bit different right now. California voters last year gave the thumbs up on a ballot proposal that shields companies like Lyft, sort of gig economy companies, from having to classify workers as employees. Now, this debate is heading to Massachusetts, where the state's attorney general alleges that by classifying drivers as, as independent contractors, companies ultimately deny workers benefits that they would receive if they were employees. So what's your response to all of this? What would you like to see happen next? Well, we, we have been very vocal about the fact that we would like to see um, a, sort of a, a middle, middle ground here on, on this issue. Our drivers, uh, by the tune of, of, of four to one, want to maintain their flexibility and their independence. Mm. Um, mm. But we also recognize that the safety net for these drivers could be enhanced and we frankly need um, the, the work of government uh, working with us, as well as other stakeholders, including the labor movement, to try to figure out what a middle path would be. One that preserves the flexibility, but also um, increases and, and strengthens the safety net. And that's, you know, one of the things about uh, Prop 22 that people don't always realize is that it created an earnings floor for drivers. It also uh, provided gap um, gap funding for insurance coverage. And we think there's a way forward, but um, we have to come to the table and we're willing to do it. Uh, as you know, or you might be aware, President Biden's infrastructure plan is expected to cost up to $2 trillion and it involves raising taxes. Some critics say this plan could negatively impact the economy as the former U.S. Transportation Secretary under the Obama administration. What's your take on this and how can this plan help growing cities like Charlotte, for example, where you were the former mayor? Well, uh, look, look, first of all, uh, you're talking to somebody who uh, who, who, who beat the pavement uh, back in 2013, 14, and 15 for the last transportation bill. And I have to say that, um, that uh, the president's proposal is bold, uh, and we need something bold. And, and frankly, uh, I know that the choices are all bad choices when it comes to how to pay for it, but 
paying for it is more important than not doing it. And, and, and so, uh, you know, we've, we've obviously, uh, said that, uh, that we, we would, we would support the corporate tax, uh, proposal. I'm sure there are other proposals that will be discussed as part of this, but the bottom line is, is that the vision the president has, has put forward is directionally right and we have to pay for it. Um, pretty much by any means necessary. Because- All right, we're going to jump right back in there. I mean, that was a that was a good enough clip to kind of get things across real quick, Rick, in, in their own words as well, and hearing directly from uh, your thoughts, please. So that's the part, the part that hit me is that according to him, I mean, he does work for Lyft, right? Uh, according to him, um, it's the, the people who work at Lyft, 1099 contractor, Four to one, they prefer to be independent. They prefer to be flexible, have those flexible hours. So all this big hoopla is just 25% of that workforce. 25% of that workforce has the biggest, loudest voice that's affecting the other 25, the other 75%. And it, it, it's, it should, it should, I don't want to say scare people, but it should caution people when you hear about a movement, really dig deep about who is really peddling that movement, right? And again, I blame Lyft and I blame Uber. Now, I also, with Lyft and Uber, they need to be careful, right? Because the reason this is coming about is I'm assuming there were people at the top who just don't know the difference between a contractor and a, uh, a, um, an employee. And that's why we have these issues right here. So because they treated those 25% in a specific way, now all these things are happening. Organizations out there, please understand, please know there is a humongous difference between a contractor and an employee. You cannot treat an employee, this, a contractor, the same way you treat an employee. Because if you have a contractor, just how, how they said in that clip, they don't get all those health benefits. They don't get all those things. The taxes are way different. Be careful with that because you can land yourself in trouble. But if you got some associates or people who prefer to remain 1099, just give them that flexibility. Leave them alone like the truckers. <laughs> Leave them alone, please. But this is something that I don't think we're going to see going away anytime soon, JC. Um, this is going to continue to become an issue. And when we first started talking about this uh, about two years ago, right, you and I started talking about this. Yeah, 2019, when, when this yeah. first started uh, hitting. Barbers and, you know, exotic dancers, all these professions that they, they've had a specific system that they like. Just, I just wish the federal government doesn't get involved. Let the let the employees, let the workers do what they want, and let them keep that flexibility. Don't disrupt it. Just leave it alone. That's 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 just my take on it. Let me spin something, pitch something to you real quick. And I know that this show is going a lot longer than what people are used to hearing. I mean, it's been a while since we've been together here and 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 had a good core program at the same time, touching on a lot of key current event topics, a lot of stuff going on. Stick with us just a little bit longer. Rick, as there's, on one hand, a huge push for $15 an hour. And then on the other, this huge push based off of what we're seeing in AB5. And and, and all speculation as of right now was if there turns out to be a federal law associated with this, it probably wouldn't even pass the House or Senate as of right now. So it might be California dependent. It's, again, just speculation. But when we, we think about all facets... Of, of complexity that are on the table for for trying to get people to $15 an hour, trying to classify between independent worker, employee, joint employment, co-employment, et cetera. How many people just wind up branching out? 
make up their own business, become a contract worker, and then they bid on these jobs. Okay, you're you're good at uh, office administration, so you're going to form your own company. You're going to get three contracts at twenty thousand dollars a piece, making up your sixty grand where you were making forty grand before, and you work for yourself. You just got core hours dedicated to each one of those businesses. And then you got the complexities of running your own business. How many people are going to set themselves up as people, as their own businesses, as sole proprietors, rather than actually say, you know what? I'm going to fight the good fight and go this path the other way and wind up stealing more jobs as as contracts underneath their umbrellas. Think about that. Well, if if everybody does it, then competition is good, is it not? But here's the thing. Out of everybody that does that, JC, because I, I think you're right, that could happen. Out of everybody that does that, I, I would, and, and I have no scientific data to back this up, but I would venture to guess about 10% will only survive because the other 90% are like, oh, wait, I got to do my own taxes? Wait, it's being my own boss. I got to do all these other things that were not glorified on social media on what it means to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It really is not. So you need to have that W-2 environment, right? But you also need to have that 1099 environment. But it, it's uh, if more people did that as a response to this, to this hike of $15 an hour, then I would anticipate that some of them will fail and they will go back to, uh, to how things were before. Now, I'll be the first to say, and I know I'm going to catch heat for this, but this is just how I feel. I don't agree with the fifteen thousand, fifteen thousand, the fifteen dollar an hour. Why is that? Talk to us. I, I, I don't agree with it because that is really going to affect what truly is the backbone of this country, and that, the, and that is small businesses. But then people will say, "Well, Ricky, it's you got to pay people a living wage." You do. The living wage jobs are out there. It's just not these little tiny jobs. They're not. So instead of spending all this time. On trying to get that law passed, let's spend some time on putting more training out there so people can sharpen those skills and get more skills in their in their toolbox so they can get that living wage. The living wage jobs are out there. People keep saying that that all these companies are paying non-livable wage as if other wages don't exist. They do. It depends on the person and the individual person on how he or she want to be out there earning that money. But you can't just earn money just because of poverty. It doesn't work that way. You have to bring something valuable to the table. That's like going to the store, JC, and I want a loaf of bread for free just because I'm hungry or it's poverty. No, that's not how capitalism works, right? You got to pay for that bread. And that, that, how much that bread costs really depends on what kind of, va- how valuable that bread is. There's a big difference in a bread. Like a name brand bread, I don't know, it's something really good that costs $6 and then the cheapest brand you find at Dollar General. It's a big difference and you have to choose which one you want to pay for. From KSRO.com, wrapping up this topic right here, California's gig worker law, AB5, does now apply to truckers. The law requires employers to provide benefits to workers in gig economy jobs such as rideshare drivers and food delivery as well. A three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court handed down the decision Wednesday on a vote of two to one to overturn a lower court ruling. The new ruling could apply to as many as 70,000 truck drivers in California who continue to work while classified as independent contractors. The appeals court heard oral arguments on the case in June. The California Trucking Association has vowed to further appeal the decision that's on the table. Huge topic um, when when you think about 
recent census data and the realignment of who lost house seats, which mm. states gained house seats. How many of those 70,000 truckers that are independent contractors are going to continue to live in California? Think about yeah. that as well. How many then re- remove uh, themselves from the situation, stay in business, move to another state, and uh, continue to capitalize on opportunities in front of them? And that's not even talking about the mass exodus happening in California right now. I feel bad for California. Yeah. D.C. may become a state, but we'll, we still may have 50 states because California may drop off. <laughs> it may drop off, man, because there's so much going over there. And I really feel bad for the people who don't have the means to move. I really feel bad for the people who are left um, with with all this hardship over there and just just don't have those means. I mean, that that's what if you're a billionaire, right, like Larry Ellison, who can move or if you're a millionaire like Joe Rogan, who can move all these people good on them. But there's millions of other people who don't have those resources and that's what I feel bad for. It's time for Florida Man Stories. Florida Man Stories. Moving on forward here. Uh, the first one's from postguam.com. Postguam.com. The Florida Man One in this story was homeless and then he made $10,000 from YouTube. Out of Tampa, Florida, things were looking down for Lionel Barnes in late 2018. He'd been let go from his IT job in Plant City, Florida. A rocky relationship had just ended. He was soon sleeping in his 20-year-old Mercedes with his teenage son, Lionel Jr., by his side. He'd park in front of fast food restaurants in Tampa and use the free internet to keep applying for jobs. Trying to figure out how to come up with some money, he remembered his old Google AdSense account. The platform allows YouTube video creators, something Barnes dabbled in with very little success, to get paid. The more views of a video and its corresponding ads, the more money. I had $38 in there, and you need at least 100 before YouTube will pay out, Barnes said. I thought, if I could just make another $62, I can get a whole 100 He recorded new videos in his car. He edited them with his phone, uploaded them with that free Wi-Fi. And unlike the relationship comedy sketches he'd tried in the past, he focused on black celebrity gossip, Steve Harvey's divorce, Lil' Kim's baby daddy. Did four from VH1's Black Ink Crew cheat on Nikki? He called his channel The Lionel Barnes Show. And he told the viewers, welcome back, even though he'd never recorded an episode before. Soon, he shortened it to the snappier Lionel B show. And in between, he ironed his clothes in a gazebo in a public park before job interviews, including one at a Tampa Bay TV station where he said they worried. They were worried. They were very worried. His videos might conflict with the news work that they did. Quote, I guess they thought I was a real life reporter or something. Then he uploaded Jay-Z Runs Up on Offset about Beyonce. In it, Barnes speculates about a beef between the men. As a video shows Jay-Z talking to the rapper Offset backstage at an arena. It topped one million views in one day, and it kept growing. Barnes checked his Google AdSense account, and soon there was more than $10,000 in it. I was like, there's no way they're going to send me that much money. It has to be an error or something. The father and son sat in the car at McDonald's, 
They had their fingers crossed. It was that day when the money was supposed to be deposited in the bank. And ultimately, when it happened, their lives instantly changed. They'd spent nearly three months on the street. First, he got a hotel room. Then he called the job that was waffling to hire him, taking himself out of consideration immediately. Hmm. 41-year-old Barnes had not looked back. A little over two years later, the Lionel B. Show channel has more than 350,000 subscribers, 90 million views and counting. The videos have become more polished, as has Barnes' presenting voice and editing. He has also grown an audience on Instagram. More than two people like HR Talk. People started (laughs) saying, Lionel, I love your videos. You're so funny, he said. I wasn't even trying to be funny. I just kind of kept going with it. But now being able to pay the bills with the YouTube channel has allowed Barnes, a graduate of Bloomingdale High School, to produce and release his own music. He said he recently recorded a song with rapper EDI, Mean of the Outlaws, a group funded and founded, rather, by the late Tupac Shakur. He also recently signed on to produce several dozen songs for music libraries. The libraries amass large catalogs of songs they own and license to TV production companies not wanting to pay big money for songs that are already hits. Barnes, he was born in Panama City. He moved to Tampa from Italy as a teenager when his stepfather was stationed at McDill Air Force Base. Er... He was cautious with the money he made from YouTube at first, he said, but when the checks became larger and larger and larger and they remained steady, he bought himself a 1972 Chevy Impala, something that he wanted for years, and he began customizing it. The car was for fun, but even that turned into a business prospect, said Barnes. I always watched car shows, but I never saw a reality show with the type of car we call a donk. (laughs) He began filming his own pilot footage for a car series and recently signed a deal allowing Pictures Up Entertainment to shop the idea around to many, many networks. Earlier this month, his face appeared on a digital billboard above New York Times Square. The billboard was super surreal, but it came at a time in his life where it seemed like every day continues to be surreal because of YouTube. I guess it's like the saying goes, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. <laughs> Lionel Barnes, your Florida man of the week. So Ricky Baez, so back to you. Is he an employer or a 10 out of 9 contractor? <laughs> <laughs> what is he? Then? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Is he an employee of the business as the sole proprietor or is he the sole proprietor? I don't know. Look, I don't know. Look. Robin Williams said it best. A hungry stomach, an empty wallet, and a broken heart can teach you the best lessons in life. I love stories like this because it's uh, it's only when you fall on really hard times is when you get laser focused. And that's what he did, right? Sometimes comfort, it, it's, it takes your eye from whatever prize you think you need to be on. And, and, and when you fall on hard times, it really – something happens because I've been there too. And it rearranges your 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 point of view to the point that you get really laser focused and you take amazing risk, um, and you just act like you have nothing to lose, but it's a risk. Yeah, but look at where he's at right now. You know, it, it, it's my my grandmother said it best: you can never complain that you don't hit the lotto if you don't play at least a dollar. Now look, I, 
I, I can't counter the quote from your grandmother because I don't know her other quotes. But regarding Robin Williams, he also gave other advice. And there's other famous quotes to Ricky Baez. He mm-hmm. once said, ah, yes, divorce, from the Latin word meaning to rip out a man's genitals through his wallet. Robin Williams. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, come on. Why I do they call Robin it rush Williams. hour if no one moves? Robin Williams. <laughs> if heaven exists, to know that there's laughter, that would be a great thing. Ooh. Robin Williams. There you go. And lastly, I'm sorry. If you were right, I'd agree with you, Robin Williams. He was great. He was really great. He was an amazing comedian. Um, but from what I read, because I, I didn't know him personally, he was also an amazing, an amazing human being that has some inner demons. right? And I kinda, it kind of wraps this whole show and Mental Health Awareness Week right? Uh, because uh, there's battles that people are fighting that you know nothing about. I think he said that too. And just be kind, folks. Be kind to people and just say it, it's it really costs nothing. Folks, let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. Let's you back. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, inspirational quotes. With Ricky Baez. Forget about this, but here we go. Human decency. Something we forgot. Let's remember it. But at the end of the day, you see somebody that needs help, even if they don't, don't be an asshole. Be a human being. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Baez. We're at that time of the show where it's time to say goodbye, Ricky Baez. So first, final thoughts going around the room, starting with Ricky Baez. So we talk quite a bit about customer service. We talk quite a bit about mental health. Um, look, at the end of the day, it really is simple. It's all about common sense. No agenda. No, no, just, just nothing driving how you talk to people, how you interact with somebody other than just you trying to do good with the best way the best way you know how just because you don't have all the tools that's perfectly okay be an expert in the tools you currently have right now and work on improving them and you'll see how things will fall in place for you i'm going to take this opportunity during my final thoughts right here to uh, not give you my final thoughts but to share one last story with you that we did not have the opportunity to talk about during the month of april This happened back on April 21st. A Florida woman did claim to have spotted a small dinosaur on security camera. I do highly recommend Googling Florida woman spots baby dinosaur. The video is astounding um, how a baby dinosaur has been running around uh, the mean streets of Florida for a very long time is is completely beyond me. Uh, But when you see the video um, in in this Central Florida news segment, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be a cat, raccoon or other critter. It's quite plausible that it could be an actual dinosaur. So please Google that. Check that out. Those are my final thoughts for you. Ricky Bias, what are some of the best ways people can reach us, please? www.hrthoughtpodcast.com. Go ahead and just find us anywhere on social media. Type in HR Thought Podcast. We are in your favorite podcast platform. Give me a face. That's how you can find us. And if you want to be in the show, if you got any feedback, Bias at bias.com. Just let us know. Nothing here. 
on behalf of Ricky Bias. The entire HR Talk podcast team, I'm JC. It's been a pleasure to be here today, and I wish you all the best. Truly, stay safe, drive safe, and have a good night.